0: I'm Paul Irwin and welcome to the pros.com podcast, where we discuss everything translation and interpreting related, including how to get new clients, areas of specialization, technical skills, software localization, machine translation, diversification, and more. Pros.com, helping freelance translators and interpreters succeed. Hey there, Paul here. Welcome to episode 80. That's right, episode 80 of the pros.com podcast. Today we're going to be talking about LinkedIn, an amazing tool for translators and interpreters with Belinda Grace Fisher. Don't forget to check out training.pros.com. That's where you'll find Belinda's workshop and a whole range of incredible live workshops and self-paced courses. That's training.pros.com. Belinda Grace Fisher is a marketing translator, trans creator and content writer. She works in German and English, US and UK. Her specializations include e-commerce, fashion and interior design. She also creates LinkedIn content for clients in the translation and e-commerce industries. And her goal is to build meaningful connections with colleagues and clients, which often start, you guessed it, on LinkedIn, Before founding Belinda Grace Translating back in 2019, Belinda worked as a marketing executive in the UK and a tech translator in Germany. As a bicultural language lover, she did her master's degree in intercultural business communication. She also holds a certificate in translation from the Chartered Institute of Linguists. Belinda has a total of 12 years of experience as a translator and four years as a small business owner. As a mentor, Belinda supports translators with their marketing efforts, focusing on creating LinkedIn content and communicating with ideal clients you can connect with her on linkedin and instagram and when she's not working belinda enjoys cuddling dogs traveling singing and taking photos belinda welcome to the show
1: hi paul thank you for having me
0: yeah great great that you're here looking forward to talking about linkedin Um, but first of all tell us a little bit about how you got started in translation belinda
1: Sure. Um, so first of all, I want to say a big compliment to prose.com. I've been a little a fan. So when, when, this whole, when this whole collaboration that we're going to talk about a little later came about, it was a huge honor. And I'm so excited about that. Um, so my big, yeah, my, my passion in life, I guess you could say, is uh, languages and translation. Um, I was born in a multicultural environment. I uh, grew up here in Germany. My dad's German, but my mom's mm-hmm. from um, the U.S., um, I also spent some time living and working in Singapore when I was an intern um, at 21, 22 years old. And then I've lived in the UK. Um, I lived there for six years to finish my studies from 20. 15 to 2021 20, and now I'm back here in Germany. So I kind of always have had that multicultural um, environment, love of language, love of culture. And I started, translation, or started translating in 2011 for um, a company here in Germany in the construction industry um, of all industries. I'm, I'm kind of moved mm-hmm. away from that now, but I did uh, a lot of e-learning content for the IT department there. So I did a lot of technical translations and always stuck with them the company and i worked together for like i think 7 years in total back and forth okay, okay. and and um, that was my first experience and then i learned a lot in school in my um undergrad uh, and then in my in my master's degree also i had a translation um module and an inter- and interpreting as well um and then i think it was um Always, even when I was working in marketing after I graduated, I had a marketing executive position in an e-commerce company. I did a lot of translations there, became kind of like the go-to for translation language questions. And then in 2019, I decided to start my own business, um, Belinda Grace Translating, to work mostly in, now now it is all um, marketing translations for agencies and direct clients.
0: Excellent. Excellent. Where did you live in the UK then?
1: Um, First, I was in Creston in the north. um, And then for how long was that for studying for two, two and a half years. And then I moved to Manchester, which was also really great. Um, uh, Yeah, like (laughs) the north. I I think it's funny because people in Germany never get that there's more than London. Whenever you say UK or England, they always think of London. Um, But I was really fortunate to get to know that area of of England and, and see more that, you know, see what it has to offer.
0: Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff, and I think yeah, like like a lot of countries, there's uh, quite a lot of difference between um, between the north and the south of England. So,
1: so I mean, much. It's, oh my it's god,
0: very, very nice to explore if you haven't had that opportunity. So, I mean, I, I I've been fortunate in the sense that I mean, I grew up in the south, but my my mother's family is all from the south, and my father's family from the north. So, I got to experience a little bit of both, which is. Which is so you're great. like the,
1: the perfect combination, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what that's the sense that I got is that the people in the south are very, um, you know how you would imagine like very elegant and eloquent and all that, but then the people up north have a reputation for being very kind and warm. And um, I just love the British humor. I think that was my favorite thing about living in the UK was the how hilarious everyone was. Like, it's just, <laughs> yeah. It it's 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 it warms my heart, and I, I do miss that actually. Um, now being back here yeah. in Germany,
0: <laughs> great that you had uh, great that you had that experience. That's 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 really nice. I have a I have one specific question when you mentioned marketing translation, and that's what you focus on now. Mm-hmm. So I'm really interested, not in how you got started right at the beginning, but how you transitioned if you did from a portfolio of of varied or general translation work you mentioned construction how did you transition into the area that you want to be in which is your area of specialization which is marketing Belinda
1: Oh yeah i mean that's actually fairly recently when you think about it so um because when cuz you're right when i when i started i was still kind of targeting like all kinds like many translators do in the beginning you know a wide range of the technical translations i also dabbled in marketing but i think that um, my whole marketing thing just made sense to me because, A, that's what I enjoyed doing the most, like, especially when I was in the very early beginning, like the first year of freelancing and I worked with agencies mostly. Um, that was, you know, a lot of marketing jobs came my way and those were the ones that I was, I felt like I was really good at them. I enjoyed doing them, but mostly it was my employer. And So the first job after graduation in 2017, I worked um, for an e-commerce seller in the home home decor space and um so everything that I did there was about marketing so not just the translation but I was actually the marketing executive for the German market so I looked after amazon ebay ads the website all that kind of stuff and that's where I got a lot of my actually yeah a lot of my um um what's what's it called <laughs> insights and experience in the whole interior design and wider marketing fields and I think that I don't know what it is but And when people meet me, they often say that I just have this kind of personality that really suits marketing and a bit more bubbly than maybe the average, what you would imagine the average translator to be. So it all just feels very natural. And now, um, I think about two, two and a half years ago, I made the conscious decision, especially when doing my LinkedIn marketing and my website, that I was really going to focus on and marketing, and especially within marketing, interior design, and fashion, which of course doesn't mean, I always say this to other freelancers, it doesn't mean that you can never again take a technical translation. It just means that what you put out there in the world is something that goes hand in hand with who you want to be in the future and what suits you and what you really enjoy working on.
0: Yeah, that's very interesting. Thanks for sharing that, Belinda, because I think uh, a lot of translators do want to Head towards a, a specific area of specialization. It's not always easy that path at the beginning. Uh, it takes time, but I think what you said about you know what you put out to the world that that helps a lot in terms of of uh, of what comes back. So I think a little bit sometimes you you get a little bit lucky in a particular area, but it's also your deliberate or intentional actions, as you mentioned, Belinda, specifically 100%. on your LinkedIn profile.
1: Yeah. No, I also think it's really important when when people are not sure whether. Well, I I definitely think it's a great idea to specialize. Um, but when people aren't sure, I think a, a great way to find out is obviously you have to have the credibility. You you have to have some kind of um course or you know have studied something in that area and and done a lot of have a, ideally a lot of experiences by trying different things out. But I also think that you can listen to your gut. Just feel how it's, it, it's really take a moment to feel listen to your feelings and then what how does that project make you feel or like for example in my case I always find myself looking at ads or banners or online and in the real world you know like um ads that yeah yeah um are how they how they're translated or how I would translate them if I were the copywriter the translator for that particular campaign um that's just how I found my passion I think it's just important to listen to what you what you enjoy and what makes time go by really fast (laughs)
0: One other question on that, Belinda, that's uh, related to the money side of things. Have you found that since specializing and developing that that area of specialization, you have been able to to charge more? Have you found that a group of clients that respond to that level of uh, specialization and and have a requirement for that service?
1: Definitely. And I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, it's actually something that I'm working on right now as we speak. It's probably one of my biggest honors and, and clients that I've been working with in my whole freelancing journey. Um, so ever since I've put out there that uh, interior design is kind of my my thing, or one of my specializations, I've been, I mean, it's taken about eight months to come to this point, but I'm now working for the InDesign magazine by Hotel, uh, sorry, Motel One, which is a big European motel, uh, sorry, hotel chain. And um, it is their magazine talks about like a little bit about every city that they're in, but also the interior design and special decor pieces that they're featuring that month or in that issue. And that was that's obviously huge. And um, they really value they looked at my portfolio before they decided to hire me. And so I definitely believe finding that kind of great clients and and being paid what you deserve, you know, being, giving a quote and have that be accepted is just something that I don't think ever would have happened before. Um, So I, I would say specialization, not only does it clear your own head and give you some direction and focus in your career, but it definitely lets your clients know that you're the one for the job. It's the same if you had like some kind of, you know, I always like to use the example of in medicine, if you had a foot injury, and there was, a, let's just say, a foot doctor. I, I cannot pronounce what they're actually called. <laughs> um, you would rather go to a specialized foot doctor than just a, a general practitioner, wouldn't you? So I think it's the same in, in our field of translation. Totally, the more that totally. you specialize, yeah. the more you yeah. can charge and help someone. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Well, that's 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 reassuring That's uh, to, to hear that you've not only gone down that path, but you've also turned it into something that is rewarding, both in terms of the, the type of work but also financially for you so that's uh, that's great stuff great stuff Belinda right well let's let's talk about LinkedIn shall we
1: well let's talk about LinkedIn that's what we're here for <laughs> yeah
0: is LinkedIn any good or is everyone on TikTok <laughs>
1: <laughs> LinkedIn is awesome as you know from uh, back when you had me on the the marketing panel for international translation date last year which was which was so much fun Um, Yeah, I think we all kind of agreed on that. Uh, All all the panel members were like, yeah, um, LinkedIn is just a a great marketing tool. Um, I think that, let me just think, When I I, I started using it way before I became freelance, but I didn't really post much because there's two ways of looking at LinkedIn. And you'll find this if you ask your freelancer or fellow business owners, if you ask them. Or if you ask someone, you know, who's employed out there in the world, they're going to tell you very different things about LinkedIn. So back then, before Mm. I started my own business, I only saw LinkedIn as like an online CV and a place for headhunters to go mad and, you know, find people to hire. And as a business owner, you see LinkedIn in a very different way. It is a complete game changer, what you can do, how you can put yourself out there, you control how people, you know, what you do, who you interact with, who you, who's in your network. You, you can talk to anyone. There are no hierarchies. I've I've had um, incredible opportunities working with people who I, I just found on LinkedIn. They messaged me or I messaged them or they found my content and then they became either a good client, sometimes even friends, friends, um, prospects other other people's clients if they're not for me I can always happily recommend them to someone else but all of my clients that I work with today have found me through LinkedIn or vice versa which is huge when you think about that
0: Yeah that's amazing that's amazing and 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 so specifically specifically for translators let's talk about how LinkedIn can help people to 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 find clients because I'm sure that's that's one of the que- that's one of the questions I have. So let's jump straight to it. It's okay. LinkedIn has moved on from an online CV. I, I understand that. LinkedIn is a place where you can post, it's where you can interact, where you can contact anyone that you wish to contact uh, as long as they they want to receive your message. But how do we actually move on from there to actually how do you actually generate leads to put it in those terms, Belinda?
1: Okay, so there's I would say overall three big areas of how you can use LinkedIn as a freelance translator in that way. So the very first thing is to have a standout profile, especially if you're um, a translator. I would recommend having a bilingual profile so people in both your target and your source language or or countries can find you. Um, the, The keyword thing is really important because you want to be able, if someone types, for example, marketing translator into the LinkedIn search bar, they should be able to find you. Um, you know, depending on where they are, depending on maybe the language combination. So make sure that you have like a, you know, a standout uh, profile in that way. My friend and LinkedIn, you fellow LinkedIn user, Alana Rayner talks about this. She actually did a course about how to set up a profile on LinkedIn. And uh, that's sort of the number one thing. You want to be able to be found by people who are actively searching for you. The second way is by posting your own content. So, there, this is I actually have a couple of tips which we can get into that later, but making sure that people know what you do, um, show up on their feeds, be top of mind. That's the second big way to to stand out on LinkedIn. And then the third, and I would probably argue the most important way is be active. It's a link, it's a social platform. You won't get you won't get very far by just posting and not doing anything else you want to be, you want to be sure that even if you're not posting which obviously you know there's no rules you don't have to post every day there's no uh, fixed amounts you know to make sure that you're visible but you do want to show up on LinkedIn um, every now and then see what other people are posting and comment on their things because what people often forget is that comments are also content. So just by commenting on people's mm-hmm. things, you're also, people can see your headline, they can see who you are, what you do, you're showing an interest in someone else, you're being you know, there for other people, maybe offering some insights, advice, maybe even connecting. I, I love when this happens on LinkedIn that people tag each other like, oh, this person is great for that job. Or maybe you can ask this person about that topic. She'll be able to help you. She's helped me. It's, it gets conversations going. And I kind of think as an extension of those comments, you can also then start reaching out to people in a very, there's a very nice way to do this. Don't be salesy. Don't be in your face. But just reaching out to someone who's either a fellow translator, or I would definitely say make sure you have also a good network of people in your targeted industry. So in my case, I, would, I regularly make sure that I add people from the interior design or e-commerce or fashion and just say, hey, you know, we work in the same industry. It's lovely to meet you. Or even better, refer to one of their posts or talk about something that you know that they're interested in and get a conversation going that way. Because once people know who you are and they need someone who does what you do, you'll be top of mind.
0: Excellent. Excellent. So can you say those three again, just as a summary, please?
1: Sure. So number one is your profile. Have a good LinkedIn profile so people can find you. Number two, post content that's relevant to who you are, what you do and how you can help people. And number three, interact with people by commenting and messaging them, building connections.
0: Excellent. Okay, I think a lot of people are going to struggle with the the content part. So people might be thinking, I mean, I, I don't know what the greatest concern is, but I'm certainly thinking, okay, so when it comes to content posting, that's not necessarily the easiest. First of all, in terms of what content to post, and then perhaps finding the time and finding a rhythm so would you be able to briefly address those uh, address the content I know you said relevant content but could you perhaps give more of an example as to what kind of specific content might work for translators and then if you could mention something about how you might find the time or that rhythm to generate and post c- content ideas sure. on an going basis
1: so with with content, really, there is there are endless opportunities. There's no one right way. In fact, I would actually encourage people to not even not even go think about it too much. Just kind of start posting what's on your mind, talk about a project that you're working on. Tell people a little bit about yourself and just go from there. And then you'll kind of after a while, you'll find out what works and what doesn't work. And also, I, I cannot stress this enough. It is not important. How many likes you get? mean, and the likes, the likes or the reactions are probably the least important metric on LinkedIn. It's much more important if people message you afterwards or they comment on your stuff after a while once you're in the feed regularly. Um, you know, it doesn't even have to be people don't even have to react to your content at all for them to still know that you exist and, and um, hire you. Actually, in fact, most of my clients don't directly interact with my stuff because they don't need to. They don't have they don't have that extra time because they're all employed and they don't yeah. need to market themselves. So um, so just don't worry about any of that. They're all so-called vanity metrics and it doesn't say anything about the actual engagement that you're getting. So worry, put all of that aside, post what feels right. And then I want—I would say that there's a there's a, actually a, a kind of a formula or a balance of three different types of posts that you can do. And I, I think it's a good idea to keep them, yeah, fairly balanced. One of them is posting something that's entertaining or inspiring that could be a quote it could be a meme you know a language meme i i used to love posting language fun facts in the beginning um i I often had like my own blog and i would just take like little extracts of my blog and post them like did you know that this is what we say in german and there's no translation for this in english (laughs) haha and you'll get a whole conversation going with people who have the same kind of humor or the same kind of cultural language interest so that's one thing um the other thing is posting informative or educational content, teaching people about anything, really, anything that's relevant to what you do or what your target audience does. Um, this could be also a book recommendation, you know, giving people value by telling them, hey, these are three great books that I've read in the last year that really have helped me in my in developing my translation skills or anything along those lines. And then the third type of content that I would suggest is promotional or transactional content. This is probably the most difficult to do because people don't want to be too show-offy, you know? So this is really important though, because you want people to know what you're doing and how you can help people. So you, again, don't worry about if you don't get a lot of engagement on these types of posts, they're still necessary. You still need to have a post every now and then saying, by the way, these are my offers. This is how I can support you. Get in touch, email me, visit my website, check out my latest video on this and that topic or, you know, I think that even a, a case study or a client testimonial, which you see all the time, people posting all the time on LinkedIn, I think that's also a transactional, promotional type of post. And you need a balance of all those three. So I'm just going to repeat them again. So the first category would be inspiring or entertaining. Um, the second one is informative slash um, educational content. And the third one would be promotional or transactional content.
0: Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah, I think you do need to find that, that balance. Otherwise, certain feeds can just become a little bit sort of off putting, in the sense that they're always, let's say they're always promotional. So that's, that's not really where you want to be, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. You don't want that you don't want to overload on any one topic. I think there's also a lot of people out there. And I'm pretty sure I was the same when I started on LinkedIn as a freelancer, I would just post nothing but and entertaining content because I thought I just want to put a smile on people's face and, and, you know, add some value to their day. And that's great. But that's really not from a sales point of view, a marketing point of view, that's not really the best idea. You do want to, you do kind of have to get there at, the, at some point. But this might take a while and that's completely fine. But you want people to know who you are. You're not even, You're just doing what people are there to do on LinkedIn, you know, as long as they're a freelancer or a small business owner, that's what people do. So you're not going to like shock anyone by posting about your services. You just have to kind of ease into it. And after a while, it'll become second nature to you.
0: Excellent. Thanks, Belinda. And what about finding the time? I know you're extremely busy or in fact uh, we just talked before we hit record about the fact that you're having a very very busy week and well thank you thank you for making the time but in general how do you how do you find the time and how do you keep the ideas flowing as well for those different pieces of content and not only Uh. how do you find the time how much how much time do you actually spend on this Belinda?
1: I know we were just talking. We're both we're both having a really manic week, but but thank God it's only a phase. It's like a couple of weeks a year are really extreme, and then it kind of dies down a little bit. But what I what I would say is that marketing always has to be a priority. Like I know client work is always the most important thing, but you should never stop marketing because this is such a common thing. And you'll actually see many people on LinkedIn talk about this very topic. They say, you know, oh, I've been gone for a while or, oh, you know, I've had, or or maybe not even openly, but they think if things are going well and they're busy with work that they don't need to market themselves because clients will always find them and work will always come their way. But that's kind of the biggest downside of running your own business is that's really not the case you have no guarantee that that will happen you have to make the work come in yourself and for that you can never really let sight of your marketing and that's saying obviously that you can't have a break and I'm going on holiday next week to Greece which is why this week is so so crazy and jam-packed but and when I'm gone on holiday I'm not going to be posting on LinkedIn and I'll just come back to it and continue as normal when I'm back and refreshed that's completely fine but I think that that's just important to keep in mind, never lose sight of your marketing, make it a priority in your business. And in terms of finding time on a daily basis, there's a couple of strategies and everyone has their own way. But what I like to do is sometimes at the end of a day, when it's like, I don't know, four or five, six o'clock, and I'm I'm about to log off, but I still have a little bit of energy left. I have like 10, 15 minutes. I'll put together a couple of thoughts, maybe even just a few bullet points of a post that has... um that I just thought of because of a project or something that I read that inspired me or a conversation I had with a colleague. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is a really cool idea for a post. Let me just make some notes. I use um, Trello for that. I use Trello for all my ideas and brainstorming. It's a fantastic tool. It's free. And usually then when it's like, say, a Tuesday morning and I'm like, okay, let's post something on LinkedIn, I'll just head to Trello and copy the notes, turn it into a finalized post, and then Post it, and, and then of course make sure that you're also not just posting, but again engaging and commenting back and messaging people. Sometimes I also like to reach out to people who have been engaging with my stuff quite a lot and just say thanks or ask them what they're working on. If there's some way, you know, if there's anything uh, fun coming up in their personal life, like a fun trip, it's not just all about work. You also have to get to know people on the platform. I think to be to be successful and to be um, to make the process more enjoyable for both, also for both parties so um yeah i think yeah. just making it part of your everyday routine without being too strict about it is probably the best way to do it
0: yeah and ha- and having something trello or something similar i think is really important for, for for making a note of those ideas as soon as they as soon as they come up otherwise you can exactly. end up with bits of paper all over the place and, <laughs> and can you imagine ideas. <laughs> yeah which is not good Fantastic, fantastic, Belinda. Well, we are delighted, of course, that you are working with pros on your workshop, your upcoming workshop, Constant Content How to Post on LinkedIn to Market Yourself as a Freelance Translator. So tell us a little bit about your workshop, please, Belinda.
1: Yes. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited to do this with you guys. So, um, Basically, it is for people who already know LinkedIn, who have a profile, who've, you know, been on the platform for a while, ideally, you know, already working, um, I would say more or less steadily as as a translator, but really needing kind of ideas either to, to start posting on a regular basis, or if sometimes it happens that you just lose inspiration, and you need some more ideas, and that's what this workshop is for. Um, It is really for you to market yourself as a freelance translator, attract the right kind of clients. And by that, I don't just mean attracting clients directly. You know, it's obviously a process. I also mean that you need to learn how to connect with colleagues because colleagues can be great referrals and vice versa. Um, It's all about this whole, what we said before, staying top of mind. So we're going to go in this workshop, we're going to go in depth about Things kind of what I mentioned before about post-frequency, balance, content types that you want to incorporate into your posting strategy. We're also going to be looking at six um, sources where you can find content again and again. This will guarantee that you'll never run out of ideas. You always have like, a couple of go-to places that you can turn to to, to get new ideas for new LinkedIn posts. And, and don't forget that you can also repost something that you've posted like six months ago, make it more relevant for it today and post it again. It's not it's not just like a one-time thing. Um, then we're, we're also gonna be talking about, this is a big part of the workshop, how, how to showcase, how to actually, what kind of posts will really show off who you are, um, who you can help and what value you can provide as a translator. Um, I'm also going to do a live screen share showing you how how I draft my posts in Trello, so you can see things like hashtags and emojis and all that kind of fun thing, which I always, by the way, always recommend using emojis. It makes it so much more fun and lively and um, adds some visual interest. And then um, we have a couple of exercises that or are, are, are really aimed to, to getting you to make you start posting right away, and then finally there's going to be a content calendar, content calendar template, which I just finished the other day, which I'm going to be sharing with everyone attending, so that you have also a place to, to kind of jot down any ideas and not ever starting again from zero <laughs> when you're in the mood to post. You have a place to go and start right away.
0: Fantastic! So much packed into that, Belinda, and I really <laughs> like the fact that you're giving people the the tools to, to, to get started or to, to, to make more progress on LinkedIn, which is absolutely, as you've said today, a, a wonderful, wonderful platform for translators and uh, translation business owners. So that's constant content, how to post on LinkedIn to market yourself as a freelance translator. It costs $50 to attend. That is the cost, that is not the value. I think this can be an enormously valuable workshop for you. And I would encourage you to think in those terms. In, in, think in this, of this type of workshop as an investment in yourself. And, and remember that if you are able to attract even just one new client as a result of something that you learn in this workshop, then it's going to more than pay for itself. So that's April the 13th. And you can find out more information at training.pros. Dot .com that's training.pros.com Belinda really looking forward to it and thank you very much
1: Thank you so much Paul and I'll see you soon have a good one
0: All right take care great talking to you all the best
1: You too bye
0: Okay bye bye